Welcome to Women Thriving Unapologetically with Lindsay McCowan. Over the next hour, you will hear raw, honest, and inspiring conversation between Lindsay and her guests, discussing how to thrive, live joyfully, and abundantly in spite of life's challenges. Now, here is your host, Lindsay McCowan. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Women Thriving Unapologetically. I am your host, Lindsay McCowan, and it's so good to be here today. So we have an incredible show about what is nourishment and what is self-care and what's the difference and why does it matter? Is self-control actually and self-care actually doing us more harm than good? And what does it really truly mean to nourish ourselves? Now, before we invite on our incredible guests, what we're going to do is what we always do. We're going to take a moment to stop and pause and breathe. So wherever you are, if it's safe, just place one hand on your heart and one hand on your belly. And if you can, closing your eyes. And let's just take a couple of deep breaths in. Just deep breath in through the nose and out through the nose and take those breaths all the way down into the belly so that you can feel the belly softly expand on the inhale and gently hugged towards the body, towards the spine on the exhale. Just continue to breathe this way and just ask you that, yourself this question, what deeply nourishes me? What really deeply nourishes me? What does that mean? How do I feel when I am deeply nourished? Another deep breath in and a deep breath out. And then when you can stay here as long as you like, but if you're ready, you can come back so we can start this conversation with Amy Reich. Now, Amy is a complex trauma practitioner, a psychotherapist and coach who specializes in women's eating disorders, anxiety disorders, and trauma. And through her years of work, she's noticed that we are disconnected from true nourishment. And instead we're getting addicted to self-care, self-control, and which inevitably leads to emptiness dissatisfaction, and ultimately shame. And so we want to have this conversation so we're not neglecting ourselves and possibly becoming addicted to self-control and self-care. And so we're going to have this conversation about what's the difference, how to avoid the empty promises of self-care, and how to get deeply nourished. So welcome, Amy, to the Thank show. Thank you. Thank you. That was beautiful. Yeah. Well, I, I am so excited about this conversation. I mean, it is Groundhog Day. And ah. so I feel like this is like perfect time to have this conversation. Like what are the things that we keep doing over and over, over and over, over again over. that are not helping or serving us? So let's yeah. get to, let's get into this so we can like change those patterns. Absolutely. So we actually start to get really nourished and feel better about uh, in our bodies and hearts and minds. So absolutely. Um, it's funny that you said that about Groundhog's Day. Uh, that's perfect because, and I was going to say this later, but um, nourishment, part of it is to replenish to revive, to restore, to uh, rejuvenate. And all of those words start with re, which means again. And so part of de the definition of nourishment is really to do it again and again and again in every moment differently or, uh, you know, being attuned in every moment. So the definition of nourishment, according to what I believe, is it's the daily practice of unconditional love directed toward your body yours, mine, anyone's. And that's a really important distinction, um, your body, which is very different from another body. 
Um, Self-care is defined as the active process of preserving or increasing health. And that's an okay definition, but health is the tricky part, right? What does that actually mean? Mm -hmm. What does that mean to each of us? Um, And what does that mean to our culture? And so, I mean, it seems like there's a fine line almost between the two of them. I mean, when I think of nourishment, actually, I don't know if you know this, but nourish is my word for the year. Ah. And it wasn't self-care because yeah. for me, self-care, you know, when I think of self-care, I mean, it's important. And I, I have, you know, I put my spiritual practices and my meditation and my yoga under the umbrella of self-care, but it never mm-hmm. really feels like self-care actually um, is as deeply nourishing as those practices are for me. So it's mm-hmm. like, and because it's, it's the umbrella of self-care is so big, like, for example, some people would say, oh, take a, go get a pedicure. That's a form mm-hmm. of self-care. And I, mm-hmm. I can sit in a, a pedicure chair and I'm tense the whole time. I don't like the smell. I'm afraid they're going to like make me bleed. I'm mm-hmm. like, are the utensils clean? <laughs> get me out of here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I buy stick on nails so I don't have to go and deal with the uh, bleeding part. <laughs> yeah. And, but nourishment, like what like really makes me feel like the cells of my body are plump yeah. and I feel like alive. Yeah. And so what, can you help us distinguish a little bit more? I mean, because mm-hmm. in my mind, some of the self-care practices don't feel nourishing. Sure. So self-care, as you mentioned so astutely, is really more in our culture synonymous to self-control. And, and I can talk about why that is. And if we go all the way back to when we were born, we came out feeling disconnected, feeling hungry, feeling scared, feeling uncomfortable in our bodies. And when we were pulled to our caregiver for nourishment, food, um, we felt a lot of things, not just full physically, but we felt safe. We felt warm. We felt love. We felt valuable, right? That's the only way we feel all of those things in those first few moments of life. So nourishment being synonymous with food is really powerful because it fit a lot of categories. So nourishment is a lot deeper than self-care. It's what feeds my soul, what makes me feel warm, connected, full, right? Uh, Self-care has become more about do this, not that, eat this, not that, Um, exercise this amount, sleep this amount. And it's the American culture that we're following. And the reason uh, we do that is because some of us, when we were little, we'd have these nourishing cravings, we'd have these hungers, right? And parents um, can't attend to all of that, right? And so a baby instinctively and evolutionarily will match its need to the level the environment can support, which is really powerful for survival. If the baby intuitively senses that the environment can't support its needs, it will decrease its needs or its cries um, to match the environment. So we fit ourselves to the shape of the environment. Wow. That's amazing to hear. Well, first of all, I think about when you're talking about when we are in the, like I'm, I had that picture of being in the womb, the mother's womb, where mm-hmm. everything is provided for you and you're just, you're, you're there and being bathed yeah. and fed and you don't yeah. have to think about anything. Everything is just coming to you and provided for you. And then that moment when you are come out, it's scary. Mm-hmm. Um, you, and it's very unfamiliar, but If you're fortunate enough to be taken into the bosom of your mother, then immediately you feel fed and nourished again. So we get that, that it's interesting how we have that, those, that, that, that fear and that scarcity 
as soon as we're born, but immediately. And then we're like, then we have the nourishment and the love in those just seconds yeah. apart from one another. Exactly. And we're dependent on that when we're born. Um, the difference is now we have agency, right? We didn't um, when we were little. And where it can split is that when we're little, if our environment can't support us, and that can be for anything, that doesn't mean trauma per se, it could mean a single parent, um, two working parents, um, illness in the family. Um, what happens is we start to have these feelings or these hungers that can't be met, or they're met with um, the wrong thing for our body, which is we'll be fed when we really wanted comfort or we needed our diaper changed or we were angry and our parent didn't know how to handle anger. And so don't be angry here, go do this. And so we grow up believing that our needs, our desires, our hungers, our feelings are not valid. And so it creates a mistrust. So now we grow up and we're adults and we have this mistrust. Mistrust uh, in ourselves? In ourselves. Ah, I can't trust my own uh, needs, my own desires. And so we look to the culture, to the outside of ourselves to try and meet our needs. And that's when a split happens. And that's really important because we try to control ourselves, which is an interesting statement. Like, who are we? Who's controlling who, right? Um, We are one being, and yet we split into a good and a bad, right? I'm either controlled and following rules, or I'm craving and I'm gluttonous and I'm out of control and bad or wrong or needy, too needy, too much, right? And that's an important distinction because that's what creates pain. And when we have pain, we want to, we want, we don't want to feel pain. So we go into compulsion and that's when we go into binging on anything, right? Sleep, binging on um, TV, binging on food. And then we flip back and forth. Ah, I'm going to get myself back under control and do these things. Or we flip back to, well, that feels too rigid and doesn't feel nourishing. So I'm going to flip back and, you know, go into a binge and then I feel guilty and shame. And so now I have to get myself back under control and we just go back and Mm -hmm. forth back and forth. So we can take a moment here to maybe define compulsion. Like what does that really mean? Like- yeah. So where, so where control is to control the self compulsion is to react. So if I'm feeling pain and I can't sit with it and attend to it, respond to it, I'm going to react and I'm going to react with whatever feels better or more numbed out in the moment, right? So I'm going to do something different, which works. Um, That's why addiction works in the moment. It's a good strategy in the moment. The problem is, is when the behavior ends, the pain or the emptiness is still there. And compulsion feels like, you know, you almost don't have control. It's out of control. It's just like this feeling like, oh, it gives a part of your brain that, and this is my experience that, oh, I know that I shouldn't be going back to the refrigerator to grab yet some more food, but Mm -hmm. my logical mind can't get me to stop from doing that when I'm feeling the the sense of emptiness or I feel a little bit out of control in my life. And it feels like, oh, maybe this is me creating some sort of control, even though it's dysfunctional. Does that make sense? Yeah. And the the disconnect, again, comes from the inability to sit with ourselves, right? So if we sit and ask, what's coming up? What am I hungry for? And hungry can be physically hungry or emotionally hungry, any kind of hunger. We can hunger for connection, desire, uh, I mean, you know, uh, sensuality, uh, rest. But it happens when we start to judge it that even if we're emotionally hungry, let's take that as an example. Like I'm hungry. I'm really wanting ice cream. Awesome. What happens is we judge it. Ah, 
ice cream, that must be bad. I shouldn't want that. I should want a, a salad or a sandwich or whatever, you know, or I should want to go for a walk right now. Why do I want to curl up in, in bed with ice cream? And, and so the judging and the splitting is the problem. Not that doing one or the other thing is good or bad. There is no good or bad, right? There's only what's right for your body in the moment. And that's tricky, right? To know what's right for your body in a moment. Yeah, because you really have to have a lot of self-knowing, self-understanding, understanding what your patterns are and what your tendencies are when you get stressed or fearful exactly, or overwhelmed and knowing like, okay, because we want to have self-compassion and be like, oh, maybe I just, this is what my body needs right now, but, or does it really need that? Or is that just the trigger or yeah. the habit? And yeah. how do we really start to separate the two and get, I mean, I mean, I know what I would do as a, as a yogi <laughs> and a coach, but I want to hear from you. Like how, how do you help people like determine, see the difference between the two and the, and thread them apart so that you can, I don't even want to use the word control, but there is like, you know, a, yeah. a semblance of control over that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, because the, the moment, like you said, let's say take a moment of stress. What we need under a moment of stress or grief is different than what we need when we're feeling joy or peace. Um, the problem is, is our brain wants a, a one trick pony. You know, it wants, to, it wants to do the same thing and that's easier than doing something different, right? So if we're in a moment of stress, we're like, oh, I want this, uh, I'm desiring this. And then our brain goes, no, 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 you should want this. You know, culture says this is what you do in a moment of stress. Like you said, some people, you know, yoga or pedicures, manicures don't do it, but we think we should want something different than what we want. And that's where the problem begins. So if we come back to what's happening, what am I hungry for? What am I restricting? What am I resisting? Um, and then be attuned and accepting. Ah, you're really you're really sad. And I accept that. And when I'm sad, I want this. And if we can do that, then we can be responsive instead of controlling or reacting, right? Responsive is, yeah, um, ice cream and a, and a cozy blanket sounds wonderful. But if I'm okay with that, I'll eat it very mindfully. I'll enjoy the fact that I want the ice cream and it feels really soothing in my belly and it's cold and I have this warm blanket and I have a moment of that. And then I have a moment of now I want to get up and do this other thing. If I'm judging it, if I'm outside of myself going, oh, ice cream is bad and wrong, then I'm split into I shouldn't do it and I want it. So I'm going to do it, but I'm going to just keep doing it all the way until 30 gallons of ice cream later, right? Or whatever the, you know, the number is. It doesn't matter, right? It feels like there's a difference between numb using it to almost numb out and uh yes. and the other one is just being fully aware and with the awareness like okay i'm going to allow myself to have this because i am aligned and attuned to what my body needs and even though it might it's ice cream and there's some judgments that can be, come up around that i know that there's only a part of me that's judging but the other part of me that really needs this i'm going to honor mm -hmm. and i can and because i'm honoring that part of myself i can actually enjoy the moment Mm -hmm. And because the, and if you're really fully present to it, what I'm feeling is that there'll be more fulfillment and therefore you want overindulge or over consume, whatever sure. you're over consuming is, is that, am I getting this accurate? This is how it feels in my body. Absolutely. But it's, it's interesting because you said the word allow, 
Um, and we do that because we're very um, programmed in this in this culture to think about what's what's good and what's bad, what's healthy, what's not healthy, what's allowed and what's not allowed. Mm -hmm. And so the relationship of nourishment is to continually uh, try to break that down. What's mm -hmm. what is what's healthy for me and only in this moment. Um, Richard Bach, for example, used to get pie every single day. He would go and get pie every single day. And he's touted as, you know, someone very spiritually evolved and, and healthy. And people were questioning that. And he said, the way in which I go, the joy and the ritual and what my body wants and needs every day is pie. Um, therefore, I am digesting that and integrating that with complete joy. And that's what my body wants. Um, if we force ourselves to do it, uh, eat, eat a salad every day, now we have negative energy because that's not what we want. Now, salads and pie, neither one, I'm, I'm not saying either one is good or bad. I'm saying trusting what your body wants and needs and that it will need something different at, on a different day. And that if I wake up tomorrow and I don't want pie and I want you know, salad, then that's okay too, right? It's the trust. It's mm -hmm. the trust in the integration. Healthy is whole. Um, not bifurcated, healthy as whole. Mm. It's that I can feel sad and happy in a day, and that's okay. Yeah. I can want this and that, and that's okay. And I love that piece, like it's trusting yourself. And I think, especially in our culture, it we are really just trained, like from the from birth on that we mm -hmm. have to put, give our trust away to someone else. Yes. And then just learning how to surrender and trust into our own intuition, our own, um, our own needs, and then yep. being able to give ourselves those things and not look for someone else to give them to us yeah. is really nourishing. And then we can send, I would feel much more fulfilled if I did that on a daily basis, moment by moment. Like you said, it's not like what is healthy for my day. I'm not going to plan out everything Right. In my day, I mean, I can right. do that, but in that moment, is that like I plan to have a salad for lunch? But, but is I that really? Like it. I don't feel like it. What do I really feel like? Yeah, yeah. And the last thing I'll say is that um, culturally, and this is just an influence. This isn't a fact. It's an influence that in America, our cultural values are a little bit more around success. They're success driven. They're youth and beauty oriented. They're health, you know, fanatic. We're, you know, success being financial and follow your passion. Um, other cultures, for example, like Italy, it's about um, art. It's about connectedness. It's about the desire for food and a slow pace. We're here. We're a very fast pace. Finland, the happiest country in the world. It's about grittiness. It's, a, it's about being okay to not be okay and being in nature, even though nature is dark and cold 200 days out of the year. So you can see that if we look on a cultural paradigm, what is healthy or what is well-being is defined differently. So we have no truth, but we do have a paradigm that we're living under in this culture that we're either uh, fitting our shape to or we're you know, going not against, but we're, we're not, you know, trying to fit ourselves to that shape mm -hmm. to be accepted. Right. Yeah. And so, I mean, do they, you know, if you think about wherever you're living, whether it's Italy or Finland or the United States, everyone is trying to fit themselves into the paradigm in which they've grown up. Which is in. exactly where we started with parenting. Right. Yeah. So now we're all the way back to where we were when we were little, because we will, 
uh, forsake authenticity for attachment. So when we're little, we, we, we need to be attached more than we need to be authentic. And so if we need something mm-hmm. and our parent says, no, you're not sad, no, you're not hungry, or no, you can't have that. Um, and I'm not going to get into you know, the details of parenting around that, but it is to say that we will forsake our own sense of self for the attachment of the other so we can feel connected and loved. Oh, wow. That's powerful. So maybe when we come, we're up for, to our first break of the show, yeah. but when we come back, I'd love to pick that back up because when we hear this a lot, especially in um, spiritual communities and self-help communities and that, oh, be authentic, find your authentic purpose, find your authentic self. But if we mm-hmm. had this strong attachment mm-hmm. to be connected mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. seen and held and fit in, it seems like it's a really, it's conflictual. It's very conflictual. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so let's talk about that when we come back. So we're going to take a short break, but be sure to join us. Stay tuned because we're talking with Amy Reich about the difference between nourishment and self-care. And um, if you're watching on our Facebook live stream, put some comments in the comment section below for Amy, and we'll be sure to check those after the show. We'll be right back after this short break. Women, are you tired of chasing after your dreams? Exhausted and overwhelmed from trying so hard to have the perfect life? Do you yearn for more ease, freedom, and time to explore what is near and dear to your heart, yet have no idea how to stop pushing forward? Join your host, Lindsay McCowan, and others like you on a journey to awaken the divine feminine. When you awaken the divine feminine, you awaken parts of yourself that have been ignored, lay dormant, put on the back burners, or forgotten. When you fully ignite these aspects of yourself, you awaken your ability to thrive in all areas of your life, including relationships, finances, health, career, and purpose. You stop chasing after life and step into an easeful magnetic flow. You become the magnet that effortlessly attracts joy, love, space to play, abundance, and magic that illuminates your life. Does that sound like the future you? Go to lindsay.tv goddess to sign up today. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Women Thriving Unapologetically with Lindsay McCowan. Have a question for Lindsay or her guests? Want to share your story? Email Lindsay at thrivingunapologetically at gmail.com. That's thrivingunapologetically at gmail.com. Now back to the show. Here again is Lindsay. Hello, and welcome back to Women Thriving Unapologetically. We are here today with Amy Reich, and we're talking about the difference between self-care and nourishment. Now, we are a culture. Uh, Amy sent me these statistics uh, earlier before we got on the show, and it says we are a self-care crazed culture, yet statistics indicate that about 30 million Americans are diagnosed with eating disorders, 40% of Americans are considered obese, according to the CDC, 22 million Americans struggle with substance use disorders, about 50% of Americans struggle with a mental illness disorder. The diet industry currently nets over $72 billion, as does the cosmetic surgery industry. Yeah. And that's, those numbers are just astonishing. And Mm -hmm. 
this idea that we need to keep changing ourselves in order to find some fit. to fit. And, mm-hmm. and you were mentioning before the break that, you know, when we are born and we're young, that we have to, that we are very much attached to our caregivers mm-hmm. and we are more attached. We need more attachment than authenticity, but as adults, we want to feel more authentic, but we're very much attached, not just to how we were raised, but also how we were raised by, you know, not by our caregivers, but how we were raised by the culture in which we've grew, grew up. And our culture teaches us that we need to change who we are in order to fit in, especially as women. Exactly. You can run the show. It's beautifully oh. said. No, I love it. That was exactly, that was just perfect. Um, this, so what happens, and I'll, I'll slow it down again, is that um, as babies to survive and not thrive, um, we will mitigate our needs to the environment, which is how babies can survive out in the wild if they were left, if you will, um, right? But not thrive. And so as we get older in those first few years, what happens to almost everyone, it's not about um, judging parents. It is to say that parents uh, don't always know what the cries mean or what the needs are and can respond to them. But when that happens consistently, that we're told, no, you're not hungry. No, don't cry. Uh, Don't feel that way. Uh, No, you don't. You can't stay up later. When we get that a lot um, around our needs, our wants and our desires, we start to challenge and mistrust. Well, okay, so I'm feeling sad, but I'm being told I'm not sad. Or I'm feeling hungry, but I'm being told it's not time to eat. So we have to make a decision. Um, Am I the mistrustful one or is it my parents? And the child up to about six or eight years old will always doubt the self because I need to stay connected to my caregiver in order to survive. So I'm always going to assume and want to default to them so I can stay attached to them so I can survive. And so, you know, for those of us that have experiences where there was a lot of invalidation right around who we are, and it could be just a, you know, someone was introverted and their parent was extroverted. It just could be an accidental mismatch. We just start to doubt or turn down the volume of our need, of our hunger, of our true nature, and we mistrust it as adults. And we didn't have the agency to support ourselves as as children, but we do now. So the, the point is, is that as adults, we can go back and reparent, if you will, reconnect, um, revitalize that relationship and be open to what's at what our to our intuitive knowing, our natural intelligence that's within our body. Instead of thinking our body is working against us, mm-hmm. which is what happens in you know a lot in eating disorders. We distrust the body as though the body is out to get us or make us miserable. Mm-hmm. And so how what would the first step be? I mean, to, I mean, I'm always thinking, okay, that sounds amazing, but how do we how? do that? Yeah. So the first step is to ask or to inquire. How many times do we not even ask what's happening in my body right now? Um, What do I notice? What's arising? Uh, What am I hungering for? What am I restricting? Um, What do I need that I might not be offering myself or is not available, right? The first thing is to ask, to inquire. The second step is to acknowledge and accept unconditionally which isn't to say to agree per se all the time. It is to say unconditionally accept, ah, sadness, hunger, desire, 
uh, tiredness, um, overwhelm. That's what's happening. That's what's actually happening in my body um, versus judging it, fighting it, disagreeing with it. It's actually coming up. And when we do that acknowledgement unconditionally, like, ah, oh, overwhelm. Okay, then we can, we can ask, what is a response? How can I respond? Not react, not control. How do I respond in this moment? And a response, like a parent would, is to say, oh, honey, you're feeling really sad. And if the child said, yeah, so I want to go, I don't know, bury myself in bed all day, the parent might say, well, let's, let's talk about that. It's, it's a mutual decision between values and what's wanted. It's not like, okay, go do that, you know, um, go sleep all day. It's a rest. Okay, let's try that. You know, let's take a nap and then see how you're feeling and then check in again. Dude, that's a response. Control is no, you're not going to go take a nap. And, you know, giving in or reaction is, yeah, go, go sleep all day. A response is, ah, tiredness is present. Let's rest and then revisit. Mm-hmm. And then now, the last, oh, sorry. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say is revisit the, fo- is that revisit? Is that the fourth step? But I- exactly. So re is again. So we want to revisit re you know replenish rejuvenate revive it's again and again and again with mm-hmm. balance and balance is to say oh i've got this logical part of myself that has these values and these things that i know i need in my life to you know achieve my goals and then i have my wants and my desires and integration is the goal not bifurcation not i need to get rid of that part of me that hungers and desires because it's getting in the way of my goals and my needs that's a split. We need to integrate. Oh, there's a part of me that needs this. And there's a part of me that wants this. Let's integrate, right? Healthy as whole, mm. right? Healthy as whole. So I love all of these steps that, that starts with the inquiry, like ask. ask. And I love like, what am I hungry for? Yeah. And what am I resisting? Yes. And just feel, I, and I always try to feel in my body where, where, where am I keep holding that in my body so I can kind of sense where it is and give it a little space. But, and then acknowledging and accepting. And the key, I, what I heard is unconditionally. Yes. Just unconditionally accept that because I feel like that gives some compassion, which, you know, I talked with my, my women in my group that, you know, self compassion is just this key to unlocking so mm-hmm. much of our divine potential. And then the the third is just responding to that, not reacting. And I like the, how you brought this in back to the parenting, because I know some parents might have been thinking like, oh, okay, I'm just going to let my kid go do whatever they want to do. Right. But there's right. this like, there's this beautiful conversation that's happening, which I think builds really strong communication skills for the child to be like, oh, now I can communicate with myself this way when I get yes. become adult and yes. with my partner or my coworkers and not be so reactionary and try to control all the things in your life, because really we can't do that. Mm-hmm. And then the, the revisiting and the revisiting and the, and the repeat. Yep. <laughs> the repeat. Yeah. And, and the key there is uh, process, not perfection. And this is true in mm. all relationships, our relationship to ourselves, to our partners. It's all mirroring, which is to say, there's not an end goal of health. Um, I'm going to get to healthy or well-being. It is a process. It's a relationship that is always deepening it's always evolving, but it's messy and we're going to make mistakes and we're going to be, you know, irritated or get it wrong and then go back and revisit again. Like, oh, 
Um, you can do it at any time. You can do it ahead of time. You can do it looking back. Oh, that time when I was feeling really tired and instead I made myself get up and go do this, that didn't feel very good to my body. I can revisit that now. I can do it again. So there is no like getting it wrong or getting it right. It's just an evolution. It's a practice. It's being adaptable, being flexible, being um, present, right? Over and over again. And thank you for saying, you know, that the process is messy because, you know, women, you know, have been taught that we have to be perfect in order to be seen and valued. And we're always trying to reach for that perfection or whatever that means for us in our own minds, Mm -hmm. uh, whether it's for our body, whether it's for our work, whether it's parenting and, but it's all, all of it's just, you know, our bodies are messy. I mean, we Mm -hmm. have you know, we bleed every month. Menopause, like perimenopause is messy. Mm-hmm. All of it is messy and our emotions can feel messy, Messy, but, but it's like, it's part of our power and our beauty and allowing yes. ourselves to be that. And knowing that in all the messiness, there is the perfectly imperfectness exactly. of it all. And exactly. I really, and that it's just a process that we cycle in and out of as Absolutely. all of us do, not just women, but especially as women, we have a lot of cycles. <laughs> Right. And, and, and it's healthy as whole again. Right. And mm-hmm. it, it's not just the, the, the pretty parts or the, the, you know, the yeah, strong parts. It's also the tender parts, the weak parts, the messy parts, healthy is, is, is very whole. And um, to your, you know, to your, uh, you said something and I was, now I lost it, but um, tracking with women, we are pretty obsessed about a particular look size. We're obsessed with size of things in America in general, the size, the number. And I, and I, and what I talk about with eating disorders is that numbers are safe because they're static. Uh, 200 is always 200. Uh, 2000 calories is always 2000 calories. A BMI of whatever is always a BMI, but emotions and needs and us, we are evolving. We're not static. We're flexible. We're always changing and moving. And that can be really scary for people when we don't trust ourselves, right? Because if we're always changing, how do we get to a static definition of what I need or what's healthy for me? And it's, there is none. And that's what can be so scary, right? And that's why the relationship is so important because it means adaptability means I can be with myself and trust myself in this moment. And then again, you know, what I needed in adolescence is not what I need in menopause. And what I need when I'm in grief is not what I need when I'm in joy. And that's okay. Right. And it can be really challenging to, for me, I have felt to really find the compassion and to really feel into where I'm in this stage of life and not compare myself to where I was. I mean, I'm getting ready yes. to turn 51 this month and there's a whole hell of a lot of changes going on mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's right, uncomfortable right behind you. It's super <laughs> uncomfortable. And I had resistance. I mean, PS, I am not at all um, a yogi or a guru in this. I am in this process, which was why I'm passionate about it. You know, um, going into menopause was terrifying and made me very angry. Like my body is not responding in the way that it used to, or it's not needing and doing the things that it used to, what is this? Why does it need this now? And it, and it can be upsetting, right? The change, because mm-hmm. we feel unfamiliar to ourselves. And um, you said something else really powerful, which was comparison. Um, there's a really beautiful quote, and I'm going to mess it up, but um, it's comparison is an insult to nature. Mm. 
And we compare all the time, mostly as women, but in general, I am better than, I am healthier than, I am thinner than, I am stronger than or weaker than, less than, not as worthy, more needy, too sensitive. Uh, All of these words are uh, the thief of joy because we compare. And I I was going to repeat that comparison is the, an insult to nature. And it just, and it reminds me of what you just said, that we're trying to make ourselves fit into like a static definition of what health is. I'm Mm -hmm. doing my air quotes for people that are, can't see us, Um, but nature is not static. No. And so if we are actually flowing and allowing ourselves to move with the, the pulsations and the changes of nature, then we feel more whole. And we also feel safer and we also feel more trusting. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. More grounded, but also more uncomfortable, by the way. It is Mm -hmm. to say that moving, you know, think about nature, uh, the the trees lose their leaves and then then they're barren and then they regrow leaves and then they're full. Um, That's got to feel very different at every one of those stages. And some of those stages can be uncomfortable, right? And we have to be able to sit with the discomfort as well as we sit with the joy and the peace. Right. And, you know, for me personally, like when I'm in that discomfort, I think of the the contraction and the expansion of life and that if we're not contracting, we can't expand. There has to be some. Yes. So, and if we're, we can't be expanding all the time right? and that this, this, that coming back in that we can really, and, and being in that discomfort that, actually pushes us. I think I'm thinking of like, you know, I've never had a child, but those labor contractions, like you have immense contractions in order to give birth to something. So we have to be able to be in that discomfort Discomfort. in order to give birth to a new version of ourselves over and over again. Yeah. So that's really, really beautiful said. And and again, in, in the healing process, I say, there was a lot of discomfort in service of fitting yourself to a, a paradigm outside of yourself to be a certain way, look a certain way. Um, now you will feel uncomfortable, but it's in service of your own health, of mm. your own relationship to yourself, to your growth, to your deepening, your intimate relationship with yourself, right? Yeah. Be comfortable in the discomfort. Yeah. Um, so we ha- we're up to our uh, last break of the show, but you know, when we come back, I would love just to talk a little bit about you know, how, how are we as women, especially going, how can we start to just stop comparing ourselves to everyone else? I mean, I, and you gave us a, some beautiful four-step process, but what else can we do? Like when we're looking out there and seeing what else, what's going on around us and not get swept up into the toxicity of what mm-hmm. our culture is teaching us. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to, feeding that to you right now, that little seed, so you can munch on it a little bit while while we take this next break. But if you are listening, then definitely be sure to join the Women Thriving Unapologetically Facebook group. We go live every week with a new guest and you get to ask all your questions in the group. And you also get to be part of the community on a daily basis where we go into these topics even more deeply and you get to connect with the guests. And I also share meditations and practices and insights for you to keep you going throughout the week until we have our next guest on the show. So we'll be right back after this short break. Women, are you tired of chasing after your dreams, exhausted and overwhelmed from trying so hard to have the perfect life? 
Do you yearn for more ease, freedom, and time to explore what is near and dear to your heart, yet have no idea how to stop pushing forward? Join your host, Lindsay McCowan, and others like you on a journey to awaken the Divine Feminine. When you awaken the Divine Feminine, you awaken parts of yourself that have been ignored, lay dormant, put on the back burners, or forgotten. When you fully ignite these aspects of yourself, you awaken your ability to thrive in all areas of your life, including relationships, finances, health, career, and purpose. You stop chasing after life and step into an easeful, magnetic flow. You become the magnet that effortlessly attracts joy, love, space to play, abundance, and magic that illuminates your life. Does that sound like the future you? Go to lindsay.tv goddess to sign up today. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You're listening to Women Thriving Unapologetically with Lindsay McCowan. Have a question for Lindsay or her guests? Want to share your story? Email Lindsay at thrivingunapologetically at gmail.com. That's thrivingunapologetically at gmail.com. Now back to the show. Here again is Lindsay. Hello and welcome back, everyone. This is Lindsay McCowan, and you're listening to Women Thriving Unapologetically. And we're talking with Amy Reich today about the difference between self-nourishment and self-care. And I'd love to come back to talking about how we're constantly comparing ourselves to others and the society Mm -hmm. and that how this really leads to uh, feelings of lack and insecurity and even shame, especially Mm -hmm. body shame for women. And I would, how do we start? I mean, I know we talked about how we start with ourselves with those four steps of ask and acknowledge and um, responding to our needs as well as the rinse, repeat, and reflect. Um, <laughs> um, there's so many. Re- we can go so on and on. Like, like replenish, rejuvenate, revisit, <laughs> restore, um, restore. Um, but like, how do we as women really start to change? I and mean, we start with ourselves, but then what else can we do to really start to shift this paradigm? Because I really do feel like there's a shift right now. I mean, I feel like we're almost at a crisis point, which we kind of need to be in order for change to happen. Sure. But what would you suggest? Yeah. Well, so let me start by giving kind of an example. I had a um, a client, uh, a lovely woman who grew up, and and again, I'm going to be really clear that none of this is about right or wrong, good or bad. It's just ba- getting back to balance. And when it gets out of balance, that's the unhealth for someone. So I want to be really clear about that. So this particular client grew up in a family that was very active, um, medical professionals. And this particular human came out very creative um, and loving uh, sweets and the sensual and the creative arts. And it was just different from her family of origin. Um, She got to a place of having uh, disordered eating or disordered eating because she was trying to fit the shape of the family system. And her journey back was to take the cues from those cravings, from those unmet needs as information of, ah, there's something I'm not integrating. It isn't to say that I am someone who wants to binge on this or do this. It is to say, I want to integrate my desires and not treat them as bad or wrong um, or disgusting or out of control or gluttonous. It's to say, my body is trying, my soul, my, is trying to tell me there's something I'm missing. 
And so the first thing is to just challenge when we grow up to a prescribed set of things that we do, just to be curious. Hmm, do I like going to the gym or actually do I love hiking or moving through yoga or dance? And it, again, there's no right or wrong. It's just what is right for your body and even right for your body now, which might change later, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing is size. Um, there, there is a lot, again, about size and we've made being small, um, being fit as synonymous with being strong with being empowered. Um, And that's changed over time. Um, Back in the 1800s, to be voluptuous or to be a larger size meant you were wealthy and you were more desirable. And then it switched. So we have cultural paradigms. And now to be withholding or restricting food is about um, self-empowerment. So uh, culturally, we just shift. And then the culture, consumerism, just sells that And so now we're in a culture that sells products, diet, you know, fitness um, equipment or classes that sells. Here's how you can be stronger. Here's how you you can be more uh, restricted. Here's how you can be more, you know, in shape or healthy as we define it. Right. Thank you for sharing that, that, you know, these paradigms change Mm -hmm. and that we're just being fed by society and marketed to what that paradigm is so that we'll buy more and and stay part of that paradigm. And so we can just ask ourselves, like, is this really what feels right for me? Is this what feels nourishing to me? Yeah. Um, And just keep checking in and checking in and checking in. Yeah. Consumerism is all about um, making money off of insecurity, right? Because if we didn't feel like, do I need that? How, is that the right pl- eating plan or is that the right product? Oh my God, I've been using this. And, and if we don't have that doubt and that fear, we wouldn't buy the products or engage in the programs. Well, think of how many products you bought off of Amazon during COVID lockdown. I mean, we're just sitting there all in fear, uncertainty and insecurity because we don't know what the, the next day is going to be. So we're just yeah. buying a whole bunch of shit. <laughs> yes. And in fact, um, during COVID, the number of eating disorders in adolescents rose like 30% until they were, because think about that, an adolescent who's trying to find self and identity is restricted from being in a social group, is at home, and is comparing to now just social media. And in a paradigm where there truly is, we were in a situation of out of controlness, nobody had an answer. And that's where an eating disorder comes in to control, give me something I can control because I feel so out of control. Mm. Wow. I feel for all those young adolescents that had to, you know, go through that and experience that because, you know, I didn't even think about how we're just comparing ourselves to the only thing that we have available, which is social media, which we all know, even though we're all uh, slightly addicted to it at some Mm -hmm. level, Mm -hmm. um, that's all of the comparison we have. Then it's, we're just comparing ourselves to just something that's very toxic and quite frankly, just not true. Sure. And I want to be really clear just for listeners. Um, to be small uh, body or to be in a larger body, neither of those are, um, I, I don't agree with the obesity statistics as much as I don't agree with the eating disorder. I think there's probably more eating disorders and less obesity. The BMI scale is arbitrary. It's a number based upon just height and weight. 
but your particular muscle mass and your bone structure and your heritage and where you came from and how your body holds weight at different ages is very unique and individual. The problem is, is we have a system that doesn't do well with individualistic treatment. We need, you know, same um, rubric to follow. And so I want to be really clear that this isn't about small bodies are bad and larger bodies are good or larger bodies are bad and smaller bodies are good, you know, or that this particular health style of eating is bad or good. I'm, I'm not into judging. It is to say that it's not right for everybody. And that's real. I want to be really clear about that, that, that you have to get in touch with what is right for your own body, what size your body, your body will have a set point that it wants to live at, whether you agree with it or not, your body has a set point that it will continually try and get back to. Can you imagine what it would be like if women, all women just took, took self-authority over Self and, yeah. and then, yeah. And what that would do to the diet industry. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And it would crumble. Like a lot of these systems would crumble because we're like, no, we're not going to consume what mm -hmm. you want us to consume anymore. We're going to feel into what our body needs moment to moment. And then we'll decide whether, you know, what you're asking us to buy actually really fits. And if it exactly. doesn't, then I'm not going to, I'm not going to do that because I'm not insecure. I'm not fearful. I'm right. trusting. And I am, you know, really honoring, self-honoring yeah. myself. Yeah. And you made, it reminded me of Brene Brown said that, a lot of us want to fit in, but to fit in means we need to be the same. Um, that's what fitting in is. We need to all be similar. Uh, belonging is being who we are and still connected. Mm -hmm. And that's something I think we still struggle with in the society's belonging. I can mm -hmm. be me, which is different than you, and we still can be connected. And we're dealing with that, and I won't get into it, but politically, right? If I'm not this and you know, you're that, we can't connect because mm -hmm. you know, I don't believe what you believe. And belonging is you can believe that, I can believe this, and now how do we connect? How do yeah. we? And it starts at such a young age because we're like, oh, you know, we're so, you know, there's kids out there that are, kids can be pretty harsh. <laughs> like, yes. you yes. know, okay, you don't look like me, you don't fit you in. You don't belong. So you're not going to belong to our group. And so it exactly. starts at a very young age. So as adults, we have to really make sure that we're, you know, questioning, where, you know, what we're, what we're teaching others, but also how we're treating ourselves. And I love, you know, I think when we uh, talked before the show, you mentioned like when you sit with clients, you're like, okay, um, show me the part of yourself that is the hardest to love. And then we'll start there. Yes. And I think that's a beautiful, yes. like, what is the hardest part of you that's, you know, it's so difficult to love and let's go there. Yeah. Yeah. It is the most humble, um, honoring work that I do because I get to see a whole person. I get to see their vulnerable bits and their scared bits and their uh, ugly bits. And, 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 and we, we work together to try and integrate that so they can feel connection to all of those parts, which is expansive, right? Now you're an interesting whole human, right? Yeah. And if you could love the part that's the hardest to love, just think of how much easier it's going to love all the other parts. Yeah. And um, so I would love just for the listeners, there's so many pieces that I want the, everyone to take away, but if, <laughs> just think about that part of you that's the hardest to love. And can you start there. Um, start there and give that part of you some really deep, yummy nourishment? Yeah. And yeah. Um, so how can people reach out to you and connect with you if they want to actually 
work on loving that hard part of themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I do. Uh, I have a coaching practice that I work with women mo- broadly, mostly. Um, and they can visit my website, um, amyreich.co. And that's how to find me. Um, super easy. I love it. So, super easy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so I'm complicated pretty, with the five different social media. Pretty, yeah. I'm pretty old sites, school. <laughs> which I love. It's just, there's a, yeah. So also you have a book that you're writing. You mm-hmm. want to tell us just a little bit about that so we can get sure. excited and wait for, and, and start looking for it when it's ready to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Yeah. I am excited now because I struggled with an eating disorder 25 years ago and then have been working with uh, eating disorders for over 15 years. So long history of this journey of what it, of this entire topic, what it is to really truly be nourished, um, to be connected and integrated into yourself and whole. And so um, it's just a culmination, honestly, of a lot of pieces of things and moments, uh, information, practices that are that are really deeply creative and really deeply accessible for women as they're struggling with either disordered eating or eating disorder specifically, or just relationship to their body and to themselves. So mm. yeah, it's very exciting. Yeah. Yes. It's, it's, so when it comes out, you're going to have to come back on the show and we'll talk right. more about the book because I'm Absolutely. sure it's going to be packed full of so much, you know, this show has been amazing. So I'm sure the book is going to be amazing thank and you. we'll want to definitely dive into that. So thank you so much, Amy, for being here. It's been such a pleasure. And for those of you that are listening, be sure to go to Amy's website, amyreich.co and check her out. And just, she's incredible as you have been able to hear here on the short hour with us. So we're here every single week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. And so definitely tune in for next week because it's going to be me doing a solo show where I'm going to be sharing. I know I'm a little scared because I'm going to be sharing some um, of the events that led up to my TEDx talk and some of the behind what happened. Like the, t- the talk was very personal and I'm going to sh- share a little bit more about mm-hmm. that story because I only had 18 minutes in the TED talk. So I'm going to go give you a whole hour of um, what I went through and how I got oh. to the point where I was in that, in that talk. So it's going to be a great show and we'll see you here next week. And thank you again, Amy. Thank you. We'll so see much. you next time. Much love everyone. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Women Thriving Unapologetically. We hope we've inspired you to claim your birthright to thrive. Tune in next week where we will continue to give you the tools you need to flourish, prosper, and thrive. Until then, have a beautiful week.